Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by Jimmy John's Gourmet Sandwiches, which has three locations in Amarillo, and all of them are owned and operated by an Amarillo resident. And he wants you to know about the limited time offer tie wrap and chicken Caesar wrap this summer. Both are delicious. And also the fact that the Little John combo can feed you for under $6. I want to say thanks to the locally owned Jimmy John's for sponsoring the show. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Metal Building Specialists PDC Construction and Fabrication and to Custom Home Builders Old World Construction. You can read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com or pick up a copy at local newsstands today. So this is a special Father's Day episode. Several months ago, my son Owen asked me if I would ever let him interview me on my podcast. He's my youngest kid. Uh, He's a 19-year-old psychology student at Texas A&M University, where he also runs camera and does some editing for 12th Man Productions. So like me, he's got his feet in the media world. And his sister, Ellie, is 22 and already graduated from college, and she's got a lot of the same media-related skill set. It's weird how that works. But anyway, Owen is a smart and deep-thinking kid who asks insightful questions, and so I thought, well, why not? So I let him sit in the host chair for this episode, and I gave him the microphone. Here's Owen Boyette. Owen Boyette, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Well, it's my honor to have you. Um, We should establish from the beginning that you're my child, one (laughs) of two, and you wanted to interview me for the show. So why did you want to do that? I I mean, after seeing all of these people you've brought on, I thought, well, you need to... I know you've already had your own episode, but not from someone this close to you as your son. And there's certain questions that uh, I've wanted to ask you anyway. And so I thought, why not do it on this podcast? Okay. This makes me really nervous because I don't know what those questions are, <laughs> but I'm going to cede control of the show over to you. Uh, and so... Um, ask away. Well, so since it's coming around Father's Day, there's, I mean, there's a couple of general questions about fatherhood that I just am curious, curious about, because that's something that will be present in my future. Um, but also just kind of questions about... You Wait, know, how, how long in your future? I mean, Not within I, the next nine months or anything. Right? I mean, I have nothing planned, so okay. I, <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. But I mean, I also just have certain questions about you know, wondering how you grew up, what influenced your thoughts. Um, I'm a psychology major, so I like to think pretty deeply about things. So I, I'm curious about your thoughts too. To start it off, um, just wondering before becoming a dad, like when you knew you were be- going to become a dad, what was there something that, like, what was your biggest fear? Like, what was something that made you super nervous? And did that change after you had your first kid before your second, or did that kind of stay? I was always concerned with being able to provide for my family. Like, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're not making very much money. Um, You know, young couples are are typically living pretty simply. And, you know, when you you bring a child into the world, like that becomes a 20-year project. And you think, okay, for the next 20 years, I have to not only like raise this kid, but I have to provide enough money to give this kid a home and Mm -hmm. to buy clothes and to have food and all that stuff. And so you're not just responsible for yourself or you're not just responsible for, you know, your, your marriage, but also for the other people that you're bringing in Mm -hmm. to join that family. And like, that's, that's something that I, I always thought about. Like I always thought about the security aspect. How can I provide a secure home environment for kids? Because what you don't want and and maybe this is a luxury, but like what you don't want is your kids living, you know, at age five or age eight or age 12 and being worried about money. Like you want to shield your kids from all that stuff. And so that was always a concern is how am I going to, you know, number one, find a career that I'm good at or that I enjoy, but also that provides enough income for me to build the family I want and, and to protect my kids, you know, mm-hmm. from 
from stuff like that. And so that was always sort of a fear. And that remains a fear, not a fear, but like that's always on my mind now because mm-hmm. you're in college and we had to pay for that and and all those kinds of things. And and then the second thing that was a fear, and I, I remember this very distinctly, was when 9-11 happened and I spent all day at work. Um, Ellie was was one at the time. Uh, you were not yet born. Mm-hmm. And so I'd spend all day like watching all that footage and just so much uncertainty about what our country was facing and knowing that I had a a very small child at home and then coming back at the end of that day and watching the footage with her and she was coloring on the floor, you know, while we're watching all this stuff, you know, the, the buildings burning and collapsing and just being so overwhelmed with like how she didn't know what that was and know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I did. And the, I guess the burden I had as a dad to know that she was my responsibility in a world like this, um, was, I mean, like, like there's a lot of, a lot of concern and anxiety mm-hmm. attached to that. And I think every parent at that stage felt the same thing. And so it was, it was seeing the difference between her innocence just happily coloring in a coloring book mm-hmm. while this terrible stuff is happening on the TV. And she was totally oblivious to the TV. Yeah. I mean, she was still so so young at that point. She could barely hold a crayon. And <laughs> and so that kind of balance between the outside world and the the inside the house world that I wanted to create for my family was mm-hmm. uh was always on my mind. Is that is that something I imagine like as a dad, there's like you talked about, you're wanting to shield your kids, but there's also a level of you wanting to like be there to protect them from everything but what kind of went through your mind when you started recognizing like I need to let that go like I I need to let her figure things out in this world that I'm trying to I've been shielding her from yeah but eventually she has to be out on on her own so like is there like a certain time that you kind of realize like okay she needs to start getting out or like um what to start experiencing these I mean that that's like that's a question every parent faces is Mm -hmm. when is that time appropriate and so, you know, you, you, you go through the stage where, you know, your kid wants to play outside. And so you're like, okay, let's go play outside, but I'm going to sit here and watch, mm-hmm. or I'm going to play with you. Or if you want to ride your bike, you can ride your bike two houses down, then you had to come back. And then they graduate to, you can ride to the end of the block. And you know, before long, kids are just leaving on their bikes and you don't know where they're going. And so every parent just gradually loosens that leash mm-hmm. or makes it longer. And Every time you do that, like there's there's some fear because the longer the leash, the less control you have over your kids. And letting go of that control is a really valuable part of a kid's experience because when a kid starts to have the freedom to make decisions outside their parents' influence, like that's scary for the parents, but it's it's developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. for the kid. Yeah. Um, because you can't live your entire life under my control or in my shadow or anything like that. And so all of parenthood is holding on to something and then realizing when it's time to let go of something. And if you do it right, you let go at the right times. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents hold on too long or a lot of parents let go too early. Um, and that's where, you know, kids start to to deal with with some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so... That's the thing about being a parent is nobody's trained for it, but yeah. it's like the most important thing you can do. Yeah. And and so it's terrifying. Um, and nobody's well equipped for it because mm-hmm. we're always trying to figure out when do I let go? When do mm-hmm. I let you ride your bike further? When do I let you play outside without me yep. being present? Um and so it's it's hard. And there's not, you know, there's not books that say at age three, mm-hmm. your child should be able to, you know, yeah. go to the next house and, and not just the, the yeah. neighbor's house. There's not a specific. That that kind of feeds into my next question is like, Ellie was born the year 2000. I was born in 2003, almost 2002. If we count the nine days, I was born in 2003. Right. But um, I don't think it ra- works that way. Ra- your birthday's your birthday. I, I call myself a 2002 uh, kid, but... If, you know, raising kids in the early 2000s um, is a lot different than raising them in this generation. Do you think, like, had you been, like, 15 years uh, back and you're raising smaller kids now, like, what do you think you would have to, like, change about the way you parented, like, growing up? I think screen time would be the biggest challenge. Really? Because you guys were born 
at a time when, yes, everybody had personal computers, but nobody had, you know, iPads. Um, you know, the first iPhones were probably when you were about three or four, mm-hmm. and I didn't have one back <laughs> then. And so you didn't grow up, grew up with a TV that you could watch and VHS tapes or DVDs yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. But you didn't have immediate access to every show you ever wanted to watch. And so I didn't have to deal, you know, your mom and I didn't have to deal with uh, setting limits to how you could use a device. And I think if you were born now like that, and, and I'm sure for other parents, like that's a major topic of conversation. Do we just mm-hmm. park our kid in front of the iPad all day? When do we give them our phone to play games? When do we make them sit and read a physical book mm-hmm. or go outside and run around? And so you were in uh, what I think of as kind of the sweet spot to where developmentally most of your early years happened outside of a handheld screen device. And those were only introduced as you got older. And I, um, to me, it feels like you kind of got the best of both worlds that you got to read books and play and do all those things. Mm -hmm. And then as a teenager, you know, you got a little bit more access uh, to the outside world. And so that, I think that's a struggle that parents are going through right now that, that probably was different from what I experienced. Yeah. It does make it easier sometimes, though, for parents that, you know, are super busy. Like, you can just give your kid an iPad and they'll be set for however long you need to. So it can be a luxury, but too much of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's easy, mm-hmm. but is easy always good? Yeah. You know? And then we could always compare it to, like, when I was a teenager. And if I wanted to call a girl... I had to call a landline phone, and I had to talk to their <laughs> talk parents because their parents were going to answer the phones. Like, yeah. hello, this is Jason. Can I speak to your daughter? And, like, that was terrifying <laughs> to me. Like, if I could have texted girls instead mm-hmm. of having to call them, like, I would have had many, many more friends at least. Uh, so there's there's differences in every generation. Every generation, I think, has um, some benefits and some uh, drawbacks, and, mm-hmm. you know, you just learn to navigate those. Yeah, that's true. So kind of taking it back, like you are talking about when you were younger, as a kid yourself— um, what kind of things do you remember most about looking up to of your dad? And are those things that you, seeing them growing up, did you prioritize and want to show your kids those same things? Or like, are there certain things that you took from seeing your parents and your dad that you definitely implemented um, whenever it was your turn? Well, yes. I mean, I think every dad learns how to be a dad from his dad. Mm-hmm. And every mom learns how to be a mom from her mom, hopefully. Not everybody's going to have yeah. uh, a parent like that, but like ideally that's how it works. And you learn, you see the good things and you try to emulate the good things and you see the things that maybe your your dad was not as good at. And like that helps you say, oh, I'm going to do it differently for my parents. And I think every child learns that, hopefully, mm-hmm. and can implement that when they become a parent. And so the the things I saw with my dad... Um, you know, I was, I was on some of his job sites. He was an architect and, you know, he would be, you know, inspecting a a church building while it was in the process of being built. And so I got to go into churches like Coulter Road or Trinity Fellowship, churches that people would recognize now and see them when they were all just lumber Mm -hmm. and steel and not carpeted and they didn't have the pews and they didn't have the sheetrock and all those things. And so, Having seen projects from, you know, starting with my dad on a drafting table or on a computer drawing the plans and then seeing it in a state of development and then seeing the finished thing, like I understood how much work went into the development of big projects like Mm -hmm. that. And not every kid gets to see that. I remember at Southwest Church of Christ, uh, which is on 45th, it's this big kind of octagon shaped building. Uh, when it was being built, I went in with dad and he was inspecting it and it was all just wood and hard edges. And I was running around, I tripped and fell and like <laughs> banged my shin on the stage. Mm-hmm. It was bleeding somewhere. Like I, I remember doing those things and I, I didn't know enough to think it was cool that my dad designed it, but like I knew that he was involved in building these huge buildings and part of that process. And I always thought that was cool. And so I, I think there's an understanding of step-by-step with large projects I I got from dad and understanding that he was in a creative job and Mm -hmm. a job that had actual 
things that people could see. Like it was a very tangible thing, uh, seeing it go from a drawing to a huge building. And I didn't realize how unique that was to be able to see your dad's work on a daily basis, yeah. just driving through town. Um, but like, like that sort of creativity and, and dedication to a, a, a huge start to finish project and then being able to see the final project, I think it was something that stayed with me. Growing up, was there, I mean, every kid I feel like aspires to be just like their dad. Was there like a time that you were like certain you were going to be an architect just like him? No, I, really? I don't think I ever wanted to be an architect. Really? But here's one thing I do know. In like third grade, we got this assignment where we were talking about, I don't, I don't know what the assignment was, but we were supposed to draw our dream house mm-hmm. and like the, the floor plan for a dream house. And so I knew what a floor plan looked like. Yeah. And so I drew it, this giant rectangle with squares inside it. It was bathrooms. And and my friend drew this thing that was like all these circles connected by weird hallways. And I was like, that is not what a house looks like. <laughs> I was so upset that he wasn't doing it right. Um, and so I, I had that, that sort of weird uh, mm-hmm. perspective, I think, from a child. That's funny. I didn't really think about that. You kind of knew behind the scenes, so you kind of... Yeah, well, yeah. no kid thinks, oh, no. this, is, this is what the bird's eye view of my house looks like. Mm-hmm. They just think room, 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 and there's yep. little hallways connecting them. And yep. so, yeah, his looked like a, some sort of atomic element, you know, <laughs> and, and that's not what houses look like. Um, so kind of seeing, like you talked about already, being able to you know, drive around the Emerald area and like actually see the impact that your dad had. Is that something that growing up you like aspired to create for yourself, like to leave an impact on this area? No, I don't think I, I don't think I thought about that. Really? No, I, I wanted to be a writer and I dreamed of like writing novels Mm -hmm. or writing books, which has some similar components. I mean, it, it's a lot of work to go from I have an idea to having produced a manuscript, which has turned into a book. Like there's a lot of steps that similar to an architect with an idea True. resulting in a building. But if, if I was thinking in those terms, I was thinking I want to create a thing that I can hold in my hand and that has my name on it and that people will read and be influenced by those ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, that does have some connection to what my, my dad was doing. True. He was creating a thing, a church building, a gym, um, you know, a, an office complex that would impact people and that would influence their daily lives. Mm-hmm. But very few people walk into a church and say, oh, this is a Mike Boyette designed <laughs> church. Nobody knows that. No. Sometimes his name is on a, a cornerstone, yeah. but... And so there's a little bit of a difference, and, and maybe there's a little bit more ego in the way that I was thinking of, of <laughs> mine. Um, but, like, I, I don't think I ever thought I wanted to be an architect. Really? Um, I, I did appreciate that my dad worked for himself mm-hmm. and that he was doing something that was sort of creative and artistic, but, like, that that never appealed to me really? for some reason. That's I did end up becoming, like, a graphic designer. True. There's and, and there's elements. a lot. I mean, there's a lot of overlap yep. between those things. That's but. true. One of... The most influential things growing up, I mean, as soon as I was old enough, obviously I wasn't a little kid um, when we were doing this, but we started going backpacking. And that's kind of something we've been doing a lot whenever we can, especially over the summer. And, you know, I feel like that's like a really good way to, you know, grow closer, especially to your dad. Sometimes mom would come with us. But, you know, in in your eyes, like, are there specific times um, from a father-son, father-daughter perspective that really stuck with you? that impacted you the most? Like you really saw those connections being made with your kids? I I probably wouldn't have thought of it in terms of like relationship connections. Mm-hmm. But like so many of the things that are important to me now are things that I, that that, that importance developed because of stuff my dad introduced to me. Really? And so we started going camping when I was maybe first or second grade, um, with other families that went to the same church, including your mom's family. I mean, Amy and I have been camping together since we were five or six years old. And so definitely there's an influence there. We would spend a week in the summer uh, at these campsites in Colorado, living out of tents. And like, I still love that today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anytime I dream of a vacation where I don't have responsibilities and I just do whatever I want. Like that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. And 
so dad started taking, uh, actually dad started going backpacking when I was about that age. But when I got to about 11 or 12, I asked him if I could go along really? with all of the men uh-huh. and me. And, <laughs> um, and he said, sure. Yeah. And, and so like that love for, for backpacking, for camping, for fly fishing, uh, for being in the mountains, like all of that was developed just because dad decided at one point that's what he wanted to do. And he exposed all of us kids to it. And it became a, a part of my my childhood. And so that became something that I wanted to expose you to. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is me wanting you to have cool experiences. And part yeah. of that is selfishly me wanting to do stuff <laughs> I love to do, but that's not detracting from being a parent. Yeah. And so if I can take you backpacking, like it's, it's both those things them? at once. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know if, if dad had that same thought. Like mm-hmm. I never really asked him how did you feel when I wanted to go backpacking with you? Yeah. But like, that's one of the great gifts that he gave me was introducing me to something as a child that is, is still a passion or yeah. a hobby or fulfilling to me as an adult. And it still is really important to you. Yeah. It's still important to me. Yeah. And I think that love for the outdoors, I mean, like, like that's definitely something that he helped foster mm-hmm. in me, uh, whether it was intentional or not. Did, did Brooks and Micah ever show any interest in going along with y'all? Um, like you said, with backpacking and stuff. Um, did they ever show any interest, or did that kind of become like a you and Pops thing? It, well, definitely they showed interest. I think I was more interested than either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when Brooks was old enough, he started going backpacking with us. And so uh, we backpacked several times together. Micah wanted to do that too. And so there are a couple of times that dad and Micah and I went backpacking. Um, I've gone camping with her, just the two of us when she was in college. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why we did that, <laughs> but yeah, she, she didn't take to it quite as, as readily as I did. Um, Brooks fly fishes about as much as I do, but he does not backpack as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the the real back country, and so I'm probably the one who became most enamored with yeah. it. Yeah, in the back country, and and who knows why that happens? You know, yeah, there's a lot of factors. But talking about family, our extended family, I mean, a lot of us live in Amarillo, and so and a lot of us, like especially me and my cousins, like we're the same age. Um, and so, like as I've grown up, um, we've always been super close with each other. Do you think? Whenever you were talking about moving a family, like living somewhere, was that super important for you that all the family could stay together? Because I think for me, that's one of the most important things that's been in my life growing up. Well, that's good to hear because that was very intentional. Really? Yeah. I had three cousins growing up and only three because my mom, your grandmother, Mm -hmm. had a sister who never had any children. My dad, your granddad, had a sister who never had any children. And so only like only one set of cousins for me and there were three of them and they lived in Dallas and we saw them every summer, but like we didn't develop the really close relationship yeah. that some cousins have. And I really valued the idea and, and your mom felt the same way that it would be great for our kids to grow up knowing and spending time with both of their sets of grandparents. Cause they both live here in Amarillo and being near cousins uh, who lived here in Amarillo. And it just so happened that uh, my brother Brooks and his wife started having kids at the same time we started having kids. And so, yeah, you and Ellie grew up with your cousins. I mean, they're practically your best friends. Mm-hmm. And I like I just think that's super valuable. And and it's it's kind of rare. Yeah, um, I mean, is. you've got cousins in New Jersey that you're close to, but they're a little bit younger and they live further away. You don't see them as, as often. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a luxury that that we kind of helped facilitate by staying here. Yep. And we did that very intentionally. I mean, I, I could have taken jobs in Florida and other places and getting a cool job to me never outweighed what we would lose mm-hmm. in terms of family proximity. And so we chose family proximity and I feel like it was a pretty good choice. I feel like, I mean, like jobs, yeah, you can get a cool job. You can, you know, make a little bit more money here and there, but like, Family is kind of something that, I mean, especially like you're talking about, like a lot of people don't have that kind of connection with their family today. Even they're like close family, not to mention they're like extended family. Um, was that something, like you talked about doing it for the children, was that something that you did for, your, like you and mom did for yourself too as parents? 
I mean, it definitely helps as parents to have family around. Mm-hmm. Like young parents who are alone in a city, like I always feel for them because yeah. we always had somebody to talk to if we had a question about yeah. parenting or if we needed a babysitter or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that proximity is really helpful just as parents. But I think our thinking was, to me, I was always thinking in terms of, like, like say I got a job offer from out of state. If I make a decision to take it, it's going to be a selfish one mm-hmm. because it's a, a better job for me or it's a more prestigious job for me or it allows me to do things that I'm not doing here. But it would be at the expense of my kids. Yeah. And I never could justify that of mm-hmm. making a selfish decision that might have some negative impact on you guys. You'd have to start over in a new place. You'd be separated from your grandparents, all of that. And so there's a lot. I think every good parent has a, a degree of selflessness to mm-hmm. where they set aside their wants and desires or needs even for the sake of their kids. And I, I feel yeah. like that's what we were doing um, whether we thought of it that way or not, yeah. I think that's what we were doing. And I think it was good. Like, it was good for us. It was good for y'all. Mm-hmm. But it was it was the kind of thing I just never I never could make that math work. Yeah. Um, that, that something that I wanted to do was more important or was important enough that I would uproot you guys. Yeah. I mean, there's just sacrifices you have to make as a parent. Like, you, those are things you know going into it. Like, it can't. Something could benefit you, but will it benefit your family or your kids more? Yeah. And um, is it, I mean, you have to think short term versus long term. Yeah. I might true. enjoy this for the next couple of years, but how's that going to impact the next 20 years of my kid's life? Yeah. Like that, those are hard things yeah. to think about. Yeah. So talking about staying here, how has, you know, living in Amarillo specifically influenced kind of your perspective as a parent? Do you think that's something that would be, pretty different if you lived in a different place or do you think that just you as a parent would kind of be the same i think my personality would be pretty similar Mm -hmm. from place to place i think the opportunities and experiences definitely are different true um so if we lived in the mountains you would have experiences that are very mountain specific and not amarillo specific if we lived on one of the coasts if we lived in a big city and so you you know as 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 a kid that definitely influences you as a parent i I think it influences me only as much as I see the impact on my kids and what experiences I'm able to give them um, based on geography or based on the environment we live in. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I think my, the decisions I made as a parent would probably be similar from place to place, but the memories you would have are going to be dictated by where we live. Mm-hmm. And, and living in Amarillo, I think, also gave me a lot more freedom as a guy who's self-employed. You know, doing what I do if I had lived in New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles, like, we would have been poor. Mm-hmm. We would have grown yeah. up with very few, you know, comforts, <laughs> lived in a small house. A little apartment, maybe. Uh, yeah, something like that. And and me being able to do what I do here because the cost of living is different we're able to have a house. We're able to do some things um, mm-hmm. that that where we aren't as worried about finances. And being self-employed gave me more freedom to leave work behind when I needed to and do stuff with you guys. Travel with you for basketball, go to school events, stay home on a day in the summer, or go to the pool in the summer. I True. I, I wasn't as dictated by having a boss. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think living somewhere else could have changed that. Yeah, that's true. I I think. Uh, I've definitely recognized, like, just growing up in Amarillo, like, it's it's a bigger city than people think, but it's it's because it has that, like, small-town feel. And so that's that's definitely different, like, working for yourself as a freelancer, like, in that environment rather than, like, living in the middle of New York City mm-hmm. or the huge, you know, Los Angeles. Like, it's, even though it is big, it, it feels small, and, and that kind of allows you more freedom and more... Uh, you know, space to grow what you want to do. Yeah. And it's slower here. Yeah. You know, if we want to go do something, we want to drive across town for a basketball game, mm-hmm. it's 15 minutes away. Yep. We're not driving for an hour and a half like we might if we lived in Dallas-Fort Worth yeah. or, or someplace like that. That's true. Okay. So kind of circling back to what I was asking at the start, you know, before becoming a dad, thinking back to before you were a dad and then after you became a dad and were experiencing all these things, what was one thing that you just like didn't know at all or like didn't think of that would be so important to you or that you would need to learn or need to know or whatever? I think it was 
how to how to help kids navigate the teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a we have a family environment, and and maybe maybe this is rare, maybe it's not. But like you and Ellie have always talked to us as parents. Yeah, you know if if we sit down and we say, "Hey, what's going on?" Like you'll tell us, mm-hmm. and and we've shown that interest. And I didn't I didn't grow up in a household like that. Like my parents are great parents, but we didn't talk to each other yeah. about a lot of things. I don't recall my parents ever really knowing what I was working on for homework or at school or what my classes were like or what I was feeling or anything like yeah. that. And and part of that's my fault because I didn't want to talk to them about yeah. that. Part of that is maybe their fault because they didn't ever ask. Uh, and I think there are a lot of families like that. And you know, one thing that your mom and I decided is we wanted to be involved in your lives as much as you would let us, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to an annoying like degree, overly, not like a, yeah. but like if we wanted you to come talk to us and tell us things if you wanted to. And so we've tried to cultivate that relationship. And because we cultivated that relationship, like we got to have conversations with you and Ellie about, you know, stuff you're going through and yeah. decisions we're having to make. And that's hard. Like yeah. it's hard as a parent to, I want to give advice. I want to say, this is how I did it. This is how you should do it. And that's not always helpful because you're your own person. Yep. And I, what I experienced as a teenager in 1991 is different from you being a teenager in, you know, 2017. Yeah. And so the, the fighting the tendency to tell you how to do stuff is, is something I've had to learn to navigate. But I don't think I was prepared for, I think, the complexity really? of helping your own teenagers navigate the teenage years, which are super hard. Yeah. I mean, there's also a fine line, like, yes, you've experienced these things, but you experienced them. And so there's a fine line between like letting your kid experience them and figure things out, even if they're going to like mess something up or like something's going to be a problem. Like at some point they are still going to have to figure that out on their own. You have to let your kids fail. Yeah. And like the, the impulse to protect a child Mm -hmm. is hard to let go of. Because I don't want you to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want you to mess up. I don't want you to have to deal with some yeah. of those things. But, like, you need to. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's hard to do. And, like, parenting during the pandemic, we've had this discussion, was so yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Because I knew what you were experiencing. And I also knew, you know, the steps that we were trying to take to protect grandparents, protect yep. each other, protect our friends. And the uncertainty of all the different, you know, things we were hearing medically and socially and, and all those things. And so having to make the right decision then was really hard, too. And, and none of us were prepared for it. And we made mistakes. And you recognize that. I recognize that. And we're still mm-hmm. <laughs> all of us dealing with the fallout of yeah. that. But, like, that's nothing we were prepared for at yeah. all. And that's something, like... Thinking back to that time, something that like became really prevalent, I think that I saw is like a lot of parents, like parents have a pretty big influence on their children, typically. I mean, there's certain situations like, but uh, most parents, like most children look up to their parents and especially during that time when there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty and there's a lot of divided people, you know, everything going on. um, A lot of kids just like went specifically to what their parents would tell them and like they that eliminated them from figuring things out on their own and that I feel like I feel like that's something I appreciated about y'all is that you you guys do have like a lot of influence on me but you let me like figure things out for myself like for my own opinions and like for my own thoughts about things and that's something that I think especially now I've seen I don't know if parents are doing it on purpose but a lot of kids will just go back on like what their family thinks, what they hear their parents say, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I think social media has a lot to do with it too, because kids are seeing, you know, things on the media and then, you know, what their parents say has a huge impact. But I think that's talking about the pandemic, like that was one of the things that was most important to me during that time. That was a big period of me having to figure things mm-hmm. out for myself. I like, I want nothing more than my kids to hold the same beliefs that I hold. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm right, yeah, and I want you to be right too, mm-hmm. and that's real short-sighted because it's more important that you learn to think for yourself and that yeah. you can think through issues and come to conclusions that you believe because you believe it, not because I told you to believe it. Yeah, and so at this age, I don't want to force anything that's my opinion on you, 
at the same time, kids are always learning from their parents, like it or not. Mm -hmm. Like your marriage, whenever that happens, is going to be influenced by our marriage. Yep. And we've never, well, rarely sit down and say, here are what <laughs> the things you need to know about a good marriage. Five like marriage you're just learning by yeah. watching. Yeah. You're learning by example. So kids learn by their parents' opinions and they'll parrot those opinions. And so that's something that is either really scary, depending yeah. on how informed are you as a parent, mm -hmm. or it's it's good because you want your kids to do the same thing. I, I talked to an adult several years ago, and I, I've never forgotten this. And it was around election time. We we're talking about who we we're going to vote for or why. And she said, all I ever do before I go vote is I ask my dad who I should vote for. And this person was in like their late 20s. Yeah. This was an adult with children mm -hmm. saying, I don't have any of my own opinions. I ask my dad what I should do. And I just thought, oh, that I hope that never happens. Yeah. Like if if that's you at age 29, then I have failed in some mm -hmm. ways. If you're still coming to me to to just make a decision like yeah, voting. like a simple decision. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's I, that's something I've never thought about. Just because, like, I know who I am as a person. Like, that's I've always been pretty, you know, independent. Like, I've I wanted to figure things out on my own and experience things on my own. And so that's something that like I don't really think that way. And so yeah. it's weird to see other people like that. Well, you get that from both of your parents. I know. Both pretty I'm, independent I'm glad minded. I do. Okay, so now we talked about me and Ellie are kind of older now. I'm about to be 20 and however many months, six months. Mm -hmm. You know, now that both of your kids are in or have finished college, what's what's the next big step as a parent, as a dad that you're looking forward to? I think that the cool thing about you guys being this age is that the relationship changes from a parent-child relationship to more of a friendship and, and that's a big switch, and it's something I'm excited about. And it, it's more based on you. You're mm -hmm. less reliant on me. And because you're less reliant on me to, whether it's discipline or to provide for you or to fulfill your needs or any of those things, um, when you can do that for yourself, then that allows me to just enjoy your personality. Yeah. And your presence without that extra layer of authority or protection or responsibility. And so reaching the stage where we're friends with our kids as opposed to, you know, responsible for guiding our kids through a scary world. Like mm -hmm. that's a that's that's a cool place to be. And yeah. that's something I'm looking forward to. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. Like there is a certain point where, you know, your kids grow up older and you kind of just are friends. Like you'll I mean, they'll still ask you for advice. They'll still, you know, need your help with things. But at a, at a certain level, like you're just people that like each other's company, and you yeah. want and you want to be around it. But you have that connection still. Right, you're hanging out. You yeah. can hang out with exactly, your kids yeah. as opposed to I'm taking care of my kids. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not and that's still not a luxury everybody has. And so I, that's something you know, thinking about it now, like that's something I'm looking forward to. And that's something like whenever I have my own kids, like. To maintain a good relationship with my parents, they'll be able to see that um, and and want the same things and have a relationship with their grandparents. Yeah, I mean, I, all those things are important, yeah. and so much of that is dictated by distance, mm -hmm. and and that's what's really hard because mm -hmm. I want you to go do whatever you want to do. I want you to have whatever opportunity you want to have, but like that's why if that opportunity happens to be in Montana, yeah, like there's some, there's some heartbreak associated with yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard um, because. It changes the relationship. It changes mm -hmm. the the hangout, you know, aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so every every parent with grown kids is, I'm sure, dealing with that. Mm -hmm. That there's some draw to having an empty nest, but there's also some heartbreak associated with it. Yeah. Two more questions that are questions that I've things that I just like honestly wonder because I know I'm going to be at this point eventually with with my kids, but like after you know raising us from from babies to to how old we are now is there like what's the biggest lesson that you think raising kids taught you or that your children taught you and like why did it impact you in that way i think and this will sound like two different answers i think kids are more resilient than you think mm -hmm. and kids are also more impressionable than you think and so i can look back at raising you as kids 
And sometimes I'll think, I can't believe that that event or that thing did not impact you more than it did. Yeah. And then I can also look back and say, I can see parts of his personality that are that were formed during that one thing. Mm-hmm. And so the stuff that sticks is a surprise, and the stuff that you just shove off and yeah. doesn't impact you is a surprise, mm-hmm. and I never know which one's going to be which. Yeah. And that's what makes it so hard. Mm-hmm. And so part of me wants to say, oh, don't worry about your kids. They'll be fine. And then another part wants to say, oh, but one thing might happen. Yeah. And, and that might have a huge impact on yeah. your kid's personality or the path that they take or the career that they want to have or something like that. And we can see that in both of you guys, mm-hmm. um, that, that some decisions we make had no impact at all. And some decisions we made as parents, like, had a lot of impact and it's hard to know which is going to be which yeah i mean because you can do like as much as you want as a parent eventually it's just up to your kid like what even at a young age like what they want to stick whether they're recognizing it or not at that point yeah i mean you can you can nurture all you want and Mm -hmm. that nurture is going to have some impact on them but a lot of it is nature yeah and we could see the differences in you and ellie like from age two really personalities and we could have done well we did the same thing with a with the two of you mm-hmm. and you ended up with very different perspectives and personalities and paths and outlooks, all those things. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to know like what impact I'm going to have as a parent and the decisions I make and then what kind of stuff is just baked in from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely true. I kind of rec- like there's things I recognize about that, but I didn't really think about it in that way. Like you, you kind of create the environment for your kid, but they like, they you create the environment for them to do what they can in it, essentially. Yeah. Well, look at look at half of the photos of you and Ellie together. Yeah. As like little babies, mm-hmm. you're always laughing and like wild eyed and doing all this stuff, and Ellie's always very serious looking. Yeah. And, and so many of them, yeah. she's just got kind of a little grin, and you're yeah. going off the wall. So, like, we could see those differences mm-hmm. from the beginning. That's true. Uh, okay, one more question. That is kind of, it's a question, but it's kind of from you to me, maybe. Is there, like now that we're older, is there one question or something that you want to or like have wanted to ask your kids or like have wondered about um, from us growing up? That that I want to ask in a, a setting where other people I mean, to listen I to mean, it? Just like a general question. If there's like something that you're so curious about or if there's something you're wondering. What's a dad memory that you have of me uh-huh. from childhood that for whatever reason, like is like just sticks in your brain, and uh-huh. and that that you think of from from time to time. Ooh, because I know I've got I've got images of of things that my dad did or used to do uh-huh. that like I think about all the time. Yeah, and I don't know I don't always know why. Yeah, but and know, it's like flashes of of a situation or an event or something like that. I I think. And it's always like random things too. It's not anything. Um, it's not like major events of import. Yeah. As a child, I mean, oh, that's so tough. A lot well, of it. You asked the question. I so. know. I, I knew. I knew I was gonna have to think about it. I mean, a lot of it, I think, comes from like I can see early childhood pictures and kind of remember um, stuff that happened. Like, there's one picture that I love that. I, I was just looking on the computer one day or something, and there's childhood pictures, and it's, I think it was down at the the lake that we used to go to in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and it was me and you riding on this like four wheeler or something, and like I was, I I think I was in the front, and like I was uh, steering, <laughs> I was I had my hands on the thing steering, but I wasn't doing any of the work, and I think like I don't remember that specifically, but like being able to see that moment, I can remember like almost like that feeling, but I think the things that stuck out to me the most like growing up was like I said before, it's like all the times we would go out backpacking, like exploring and like just like whenever you're out there, like, and it's just, you you know, we go with Brooks and Luke or we go with, uh, you know, some of your other friends, like seeing you in that setting is different than seeing you here. Yeah. And that's something that impacted me because it was kind of just like we were on our own. Like I wasn't worried about not being okay, but it's so different, like being out on your own and seeing your dad, like, oh, he just made a fire from nothing. Oh, he just, you know, we just hiked to the top of a mountain together or whatever. Like that's something that definitely I sticks in my head. Like I'll remember. 
Oh, okay, cool. That makes me sound cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not not hard to make you sound cool, especially well, in that setting. Did, did you ever think it was weird? Like, I worked from home from the time you were about five or six. Uh-huh. Did that ever seem odd to you? Other kids' dads went to an office or no. to a job site or something like that, and I was always just sitting at a desk with a computer. No, that's something I thought was cool. Like, I've grown up thinking it was cool my whole life because I... I don't know. I don't know if that influenced me, but in my head, like I've never seen myself just like going to work for somebody. Like I've always, I want to create a job for myself. I want to create an opportunity for myself. And so, I think there was never a time where I was like, it's kind of weird that he works from home. Like, like he doesn't work with anybody, you know? Because that's something I've wanted to do. Like that's something that growing up, you know, in in my coming future, like I want to create that for myself like you did. And I know like before, like you're in a different place now than you were. Like you've worked for people, you've worked with people. Like you can't just start from nothing and and be, you know, where you are now with what you've done. But I think it's something to to look at like I can make that happen. You know, in whatever field I want to. Like it was never weird to me because I looked up to it like it was something I thought was cool. And a lot of people's dads don't have that. And so I'm glad I got to see that growing up. I'm glad I got to to see that that was something that's definitely possible and I don't have to just go work a normal job somewhere or go work for someone or something like that. Hey, Amarillo is also supported this week by the Texas Outdoor Musical. It seems early in the summer still, but there are less than two months remaining to see the 56th season of the Texas Outdoor Musical this summer in Paladero Canyon. Back in March, Texas Artistic Director Stephen Crandall and I talked about the unpredictable nature of the outdoor setting for performers, that there are birds and donkeys, there's heat, there's clouds, rain, all that stuff. It's always fun to see how the performers interact with the natural landscape. That's what makes an outdoor musical so enthralling. Every performance is unique. Anyway, reserve your tickets now at texas-show.com. That's texas-show.com. Okay, this is the part of the show I call eight straight, and uh, typically I ask eight straight questions that are similar from podcast guest to podcast guest, but for this one, I told Owen he could come up with whatever rapid-fire questions he wanted to, so he has done that. He's going to ask those to me, but before that, uh, we've got a sponsorship message to read from Panhandle Plains, and I'm going to throw it to Owen. Okay, so 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. It is the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes a concrete practice bomb used at the Childress Army Airfield, which was a precision bombing school during World War II. In May of 1943, the airfield hosted the All-American Precision Bombing Olympics. Learn more at panhandleplains.org. And uh, I did not know that that existed until I saw it at the museum. And my granddad, your great-granddad, yeah. was an actual World War II bomber. That's so crazy. Uh, and I don't think he had anything to do with Childress. I, I really? think that like he was already in the Army and overseas when this opened. So, really? Um, it's interesting. It has a little bit of a family connection. Precision bombing Olympics. Bombing is Olympics. crazy yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. With okay. concrete bombs. Like, yeah. these didn't explode. It's just like, well, this giant piece yeah. of concrete hit that target, It's like guess. a game. Yeah. That's cool. Um, okay, I hope you know these eight shade are all dad-related. Okay. So let's let's see. Prepared. Okay, starting off, what is one skill that every dad needs to have? I think every dad needs to be able to play. Like, I, I think mm. I think in a lot of families, and, and the gender roles are changing all the time, and I think that's good. But, like... Dads end up with the let's entertain the kids for now sort of uh, sort of job, mm-hmm. and like I that was important to me. Yeah. Like I wanted to be a dad who played. Yeah, because I remember loving the times when uh, when pops would you know come and jump with us on the trampoline yeah. or when we'd play catch or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know I think dads are are always seen as being busy or having work to do around the house or something like that and I was just always if my kid wants me to play I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to play with them just like take a second yeah regardless of what it is I mean it could be playing um with dolls and stuff with Ellie or wrestling with you on the trampoline or something like that I always wanted to be there for just unstructured hangout fun time yeah 
That's true. I didn't think about that. I didn't think that's what you're going to say, but yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Like anytime, anytime you said, dad, you want to jump on the trampoline? Uh-huh. Like very rarely did I ever say no. Yeah. I just, I remembered asking my own dad that, and he was not always available mm-hmm. to jump on the trampoline. And so when he would, um, I thought that was the best thing in the world. I was yeah. so excited. And I was like, I will always be a dad who jumps on the trampoline. Yeah. So, always be, the, always say yes yeah. to those things. Yeah. Um, okay, what in in your eyes is the number one classic dad game? Ping pong, darts, cornhole, like not not like specific sports, but like those dad sports that like the backyard sports almost. Well, we've played a lot of ping pong. We've played a lot of darts. Mm-hmm. Um, we played a lot of catch. Yeah, I think a lot of that is kind of equipment related. Yeah, well, um, yeah. not every dad's going to have that equipment. Mm-hmm. I think where I specialized is <laughs> making up games where there used to not be games. Yeah. And so I think we used to hang out with our cousins uh, on Friday nights at uh, my parents' house when y'all were little. And our expertise was coming up with obstacle courses and oh, creating yeah. those obstacle courses yep. or just developing games out of nowhere mm-hmm. for all of you cousins to play. And those are some of my favorite memories. I hope they're yours too. Yeah. But like I think a dad, and when I'm thinking about playing too, I think a dad needs to be equipped to entertain with whatever is on hand. Mm-hmm. And so I, I pride myself in that I was pretty good at that. <laughs> and that was something that was something that just became like normal. Like Friday nights we're gonna go yeah. over to their house and we're gonna play, you know, we played baseball almost every Friday night and it was like maybe like a thirty foot area of play, but yeah. we were tiny it was so like it living like a, room sized yeah. baseball yeah. with a uh, a giant red bat and mm-hmm. adults hitting it as far as they could <laughs> down the street. And yeah. us kids were had nothing we could do. Yeah. Yep. And eventually we got to the point where we could just yeah. hit it flying. No, but. You became better than we were. <laughs> what is one place in Amarillo that every dad or every parent should take their children? You're probably thinking of a specific place. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you a general place. Okay. A park. Okay. Like, I think there are enough neighborhood parks in Amarillo uh-huh. within walking distance, riding distance of families that just taking your kids to an open environment and having some unstructured whatever playtime with them, I yep. think is important. And so we used to ride bikes to the park. We used to walk to the park. Uh, we used to walk to Amarillo High and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the journey to that place together is important. And then whatever you do there, it's important. And and some maybe it's just swing your kids on a swing or watch them play on the play structure. But mm-hmm. like I think families that do that sort of unstructured stuff together are are building good memories. Yeah. Because it doesn't often involve phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're walking together or you're riding bikes or you're playing, you know, you can't do that. And so like I, I think dads ought to take their kids places to just hang out and have unstructured playtime. Yeah, just be together. Yeah, just be together, yeah. regardless of what you're doing. Yeah, that's that's true. I like that. Pretty much every neighborhood in Amarillo has a good park and has a good outdoor area. Um, Even if it doesn't have a great play structure, yeah. like there's space and it's different space from your yard. Even if it's just like a grass field, like right. bring a ball and right. you can play for you know a long time with a kid that just wants to throw the ball. With, right. Yeah. Okay, This this is, I'm, I'm curious about this answer. Out of all characters, books, movies, shows, whatever, as a dad or just a parent, who do you see yourself in the most or who do you see yourself as? I'm going to give a really dad answer and start (laughs) with a complaint that dads are often the butt of jokes in popular culture. Maybe. Fictional dads, maybe 75% of them are are doofuses. Yeah. um, Or they're checked out or they don't know or understand what their kids are doing, Mm -hmm. you know, on sitcoms or... TV shows or movies or or sometimes because somebody writing a book or creating a show had a bad relationship with their dad and they're working through their issues, <laughs> you know? Out on the and characters. so, yeah, I'm going to complain about um, <laughs> there's not a lot of great dads uh, in in popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this. I, I thought of several good examples. Atticus Finch was a really good dad okay. in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, he treated his daughter... Not like a kid. Like, like he had hard discussions with her yeah. and told her things about the world and, and mm-hmm. was a good example. Uh, I think of um, the, the Weasley dad in the Harry Potter series okay. who was curious and easygoing and had a bunch of kids and always had the kids' friends at his house. Yeah. You know, Harry and Hermione were always there, yep. uh, which I feel like our house has been. There's always some random kid, you know, <laughs> sitting on the couch. And I, I think that's a great example. I would, I would like to be 
kind of like that dad who's curious and interested in the world and has conversations with his kids and mm. a good example. Um, I thought of Pa Ingalls on, uh, or in the Little House on the Prairie books, which I don't uh, think, we read a couple of those when yeah. you were a kid, not the whole series. Yeah. I read them when I was a kid. And he was, he was a very capable dad because, you know, they lived in 1870 and he had to build his own house and slaughter his own pigs and all that kind of stuff, which good luck to you if I was having to do that. <laughs> but like he could take care of his family. He made hard decisions yep. having to move and having to sell their horses and um, made some mistakes, but like was still a kind and, and good father. So I think there are a few good dads that I would like to see myself in. Uh, but most of the dads in popular culture are, are kind of doofuses, and I don't. It is kind of true. Yeah, I mean, it's, but like it's for like the show, like for the it's comedy. For the show. And there's comedy in a yeah. stupid dad, yeah. you know, sits on the couch, grumbles at his kids. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see myself in those. No, definitely not. You wouldn't be the the stupid dad. That, that is just, I get home and you're grumbling. Yeah, no. yeah. I'm sitting on the couch in my tank top. Oh, geez. yelling at you to bring me a beer. That would be a whole different childhood for me. Okay. What is one book that influenced your perspective on parenting the most? All right. This is this is probably going to be a surprising answer. Really? Well, maybe not. You. It's probably not what you're thinking. Either. Okay. I honestly don't. I don't know what you're going to say. The Bible. Really? Yes. And that sounds like such a cop out answer. <laughs> you know, I grew up in a, a church setting, mm -hmm. very much a part of our childhoods, uh, and and still, you know, our, our larger family's life. And, you know, when I was when I was in high school and got into theology and learning about the Bible and trying to figure out what I believed and why I believed, I was not a kid who just wanted to accept what my parents taught me mm -hmm. or what my Sunday school teachers yeah. taught me or what the pastor said, anything yeah, like that. Kind of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I was always reading for myself. And I, I took the things that Jesus taught, like, really seriously— um, not seriously, like in a Sunday school, I'm going to be a good kid, but like, this is a revolutionary teaching. This is yeah. stuff that is very different. <laughs> and one of those was about denying yourself, sacrificing your own wants and putting the needs of others first, mm -hmm. um, having uh, a, a perspective of humility and sacrifice and, and elevating other people instead of yourself. Uh, and I, I like... For whatever reason, I took that to heart. It hit me at a very developmentally important time as a teenager. Yeah. And so that's a thought process that I carried into adulthood in that I I never wanted the things I wanted to be elevated above what I wanted for you. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, I hope that I have been a selfless parent and a parent who put the needs of my family above my own personal needs. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, legitimately can't say I read that in a parenting book. I, yeah. I read that in the Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> I mean, that came from the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. And like, that's what stuck. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing to have stuck, you yeah. know? So that's, that's something kind of what you're talking about. Like something for me, like as I've been, you know, figuring things out on my own, like whenever you get away from like, you know, the specific versus specific teachings of the bible like you like presented with these very broad but like so powerful statements of like you were talking about like just be selfless like put other mm -hmm. people before your own like not nothing specific just like be selfless be you know love people and all those things i think those are the things that have stuck with me the most and i think yeah i think those are things i've seen in like you and mom um and like something that i can definitely tell you prioritize like not just as a parent, but like as a friend to others. Well, thanks. <laughs> now, you can you can do a favorite memory or like a funniest memory. I don't I don't know, but of you and your dad growing up. Oh, okay. Well, this is going to be poignant because um, <laughs> uh, I guess most listeners know that uh, my dad, your granddad, died last December. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, and this was on one of the camping trips. Uh, we went, I was probably third grade or something, and we were in the Lake City, Colorado area. Okay. We went to Spruce Campground, which is where we always camped. There's a lot of great lakes around there, there's great rivers to fish in. And so dad was, like, I was fishing. Uh, mm -hmm. We were always fishing. And we were there for a week, Monday to Friday. And it was Thursday, and I had not caught a fish yet. Yeah. Like, 
everyone else had caught fish. We'd caught fish in Deer Lakes. We'd caught fish in the streams. Like every other kid had caught fish, and I had not. Mm -hmm. And I was sad, you know, because I loved it. And Dad said on that Thursday, he was like, you will catch a fish today. (laughs) We will make sure. Yeah. And it was Thursday night. It was after we had eaten, and it was like getting dark. And like he's everybody else was doing stuff. And he was like, "Come on, let's go." And he took me to this bluff overlooking the Savoya Creek. Uh, it was a cliff. It's about ten or fifteen feet high. There's a really deep channel underneath it. Like Dad knew there were fish there, mm-hmm. and he had the stuff, brought the stuff, and he was like, "We're going to put that here, and we're going to catch a fish here." And we did. Like, I caught a fish that night, mm-hmm. you know, as the sun was going down. We yeah. could barely see. And I caught it, and I was excited. Yeah. Um, and, like, I still go there, and I fish there. Really? I fish that channel. I know that bluff. Mm-hmm. I was there last September by myself. You know, I wasn't sitting on the cliff and fishing with a, a rod and reel. I had a fly rod, and I was in yeah. that water. But, like, I can't fish that cliff without thinking about that. Really? That Dad, it was so important to him. Be- not not for like his own pride or something. It's just he knew I was upset about it. Yeah. And he was going to get me a fish. He wanted to make sure. Yeah, and yeah. he took time out of the stuff that he wanted to do to mm-hmm. make sure that happened and teach me how to do it. And, yeah. And that that place still exists and it looks exactly the same. And I can still go there. And and my passion for doing that is because he introduced me to it. Mm-hmm. Like like that's a that's a place that has a lot of memories. Significant for me. memory. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I always remember. That's that's cool. I. Whenever you're telling, this is not as serious as that story. <laughs> whenever you were saying that, I don't remember where it was. You're asking me earlier. Whenever you asked me, uh, yes, like what was what was a memory or something that I had. I don't remember where we were, but I was little. I had this like Superman fishing pole. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I don't even. I guess I like caught a fish maybe, and I was like really somehow I caught a fish and I was like reeling it in, and obviously struggling like i'm a little kid and so you take over and you have this fishing this like tiny little kid superman fishing pole and you're reeling it in and something happens like the fish tugs or something and you let go like the pole slips out of your hands and gets thrown into the lake into the water and so i lose my fish no, and my pole you know you're not remembering it right that's I'm definitely what glad. happened i'm kind of glad that's definitely what happened no you wanted to catch a fish and you knew that the Big fish were way out in the middle, uh-huh. and so I said, "Well, let me try to cast it for you. I can get it out there." You, you were it. struggling uh-huh. to cast it, and so I had it, and I like reared back, <laughs> and I was gonna throw you know that line all the way to the middle, and it just slipped right it out just, of my hands. Threw I it? threw that pole thirty feet, and I, I was like, "We're never gonna see that again." Yeah, I thought, "Do I do I swim out there yeah. and get it?" Like you were crying, yeah. and I was just trying to be a good dad and cast it really far. I just remembered losing my pole. You lost it. It's still out there. We went into town uh, and bought you a new one. Yeah. That was, but yeah, I, was, I felt pretty sheepish. Was that in like, the, like Angel Fire? It was an Angel Fire. That's what yeah. I thought. Right next to the playground, that little fishing lake there. Oh, yeah. We used to go there. All, oh, yeah. I yeah. remember that. Um, okay. This is, I mean, we we're kind of just saying that, but you, you said you're a memory of you and your dad, but what about you as a dad? Well, I remember that. Well, yeah, that was traumatic. <laughs> I felt so stupid. Um, um, one of them that I remember, I think it was the first time I took you backpacking, and it was okay. in Kachara okay. uh, in Colorado, and we camped at the base of this hill, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> this was your first time backpacking, and I remember you were, you know, you were wearing this big flat bill cap and you know you're probably fifth grade Uh something like that and um we decided we wanted to climb that hill Uh because it was it was a serious you know hill kind of rising above us yeah and so we decided we're gonna do it together and i like i went up it and it was hard work for me and you just kept right up and went all the way to the top didn't complain anything like that and you were so proud when we got into the top and we could see all the mountains Mm -hmm. and like i was proud Number one, that you'd done it, and number two, that you hadn't complained about it, and number three, that it seemed easy for you. Yeah. And I was like, this kid <laughs> has, number one, some athletic uh, endurance yeah. genetics that I, I felt pretty proud about. Uh-huh. 
but also that you're just willing to do whatever and say, yeah. okay, if there's a mountain, let's go to the top of the mountain yeah. and see the value in doing something that was just a cool thing to do. There's yeah. no reason for us to go up there. No. Like there are no trees we up there. stay down and camp. No. Oh, yeah. And we just sat up there and looked around and like, yeah. okay, we made the top. And I, I thought that was cool. Like mm-hmm. that was something I'm proud of as a dad. Yeah. That you were cool with that. Because a lot of kids would be like, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. Mm-hmm. I'll sit down here. Just stay and down. Eat a candy bar. Do, yeah. You know. Do something. Yeah. That's cool. I, I appreciated I do, that. I do remember that. And that has a lot to do with like your personality. Yeah. You're that's just like, just, I'm up for anything. Let's go do it. That's Let's do something how cool. I've, I've, I don't remember being any way other than that. Like yeah. I've always just been like, okay, let's do it. It's like, I feel like it's one of those like almost like a glass half full, glass half empty kind of things. Like let's do it. Or like, oh, that seems hard. I don't really want to do that. I think there's a, a lot of me, like I think in terms of, that's something I want to do and have done. And like, that's the only reason I need. Really? Like, like there's no, like if somebody says why, yeah. I don't always have a good example. I'm just yeah. like, well, why not? Yeah. Why like, not do why it? Not? Why not try to get to the top of this mm-hmm. and see what it looks like? Yeah. And then you've seen, and yeah. that's, that's justification enough. Yeah. So. I, that's like a good way to look at things. Like why not do a lot of things? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not like stupid things. Like yeah. let's not jump off of this, try no, to roll down this mountain. But like. Let's see if we can jump over this river. Do you yeah. think we can? Yeah. Let's try it. Yeah. You might land in the river. You might get wet, but <laughs> I don't know. It's we'll not see. a cliff or something. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely true. Okay. What is the best dad joke in your arsenal of dad jokes? Because I know you have a few. I have a really good arsenal of dad jokes. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with a Star Wars related one because I feel like every dad should have some um, some familiarity with Star Wars. Okay. Why did Han Solo not enjoy his steak dinner? Okay, why? It was chewy. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought you were going to go with that. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good Star Wars Star Wars themed dad joke. Yeah, that's those a, are the best kinds. It's like a classic. Well, that's all my, my eight questions, my eight straight for you. All right. Have you enjoyed hosting a podcast? Yeah, I feel I feel pretty comfortable in this chair. I could get used to this. If you ever need a break, <laughs> just you know <laughs> okay. who you know who to call. All right. Well, thanks for doing it. Uh-huh. I appreciate it. Thanks for being a guest on my podcast for the day. Well, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Owen for the interview. I knew some of his eight straight questions in advance, but I didn't know what was coming otherwise and those questions really made me think he's a photographer and videographer and you can find some of his work on instagram at owen boyette owen in boyette there's an extra n in there don't get me started on it thanks also to sponsors the texas outdoor musical jimmy john's locations in amarillo and panhandle plains historical museum if you like this podcast here's what i'd like you to do Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the show. That just, it helps other people discover it, and uh, it makes me feel good about this product. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Jess Heredia, Wilson Lemieux, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Whitten. This has been episode 253. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.